0: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertil Life, the podcast. This is episode 162 called Melissa R. This episode is supported by Receptiva DX. The Receptiva DX test can help couples struggling with unexplained infertility. Getting pregnant isn't easy as so many of you know. Many couples struggle with infertility and unexplained infertility can be particularly frustrating. Women facing unsuccessful IVF may not know that endometriosis is the underlying cause, a disease that can impact the success rates of IVF treatments and often has no symptoms. The Receptiva DX test can help identify endometriosis before an embryo transfer, and it has the potential to save women the stress, anxiety, and cost of multiple failed IVF attempts. The good news is multiple studies show treatment of women with a positive Receptiva DX test improves live birth outcomes by over 50%. Receptiva DX can detect all stages of endometriosis and help women make better decisions in planning for pregnancy. You can learn more at ReceptivaDX.com or download their app, which is also called Receptiva DX. Today's episode is presented by Belly. Belly offers modern prenatal vitamins optimized for fertility, prenatal, and post-pregnancy health. To learn more about how to optimize your fertility and pregnancy health, check out their vegan-friendly, dairy-free, non-GMO vitamins for both men and women at bellybaby.com. That's spelled B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. The best part? If you use code Allie15, you'll get 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code Allie, 15, Ali fifteen A L I one five for fifteen percent off. Thanks, Belly. All right, guys. So today I am talking to Melissa R, who is the founder of True Warrior Jewelry, and she's going to tell us about the healing properties of crystals and the jewelry that she makes for Infertility Warriors. But she's also going to tell us about her story, which is a lot about endometriosis, which is appropriate because it is still March and it is Endometriosis Awareness Month. So Melissa is going to tell us all about the multiple surgeries she had to clear out the endo, several rounds of IVF, what was going on with her relationship with her husband, and then how she ended up with her two babies. So definitely check out her stuff. At TrueWarriorJewelry dot com, and without further ado, this is Melissa's infertility story. All right, Melissa, it's so good to talk to you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, Allison. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. So first of all, I want to start out with the group that you run, because that's how I think we originally got in touch, or that's how I heard about you, right? So you have a pretty popular Facebook group for infertility, right?
1: I guess it's relatively popular. It's kind of growing here. It's uh, infertility for like the tri-state area. So okay. New, York, New Jersey. Yeah. Down there. Yeah. When did you start that? Um, I want to say like three years ago. I started, okay. uh, I was having, you know, I, I have run like a little side jewelry business and I was getting so many messages about like questions about infertility. And I was like, you know what, maybe it's time to start a group so we can all just talk to each other since I'm, you know, all knowing. <laughs> right. And your side jewelry is
0: not so much of a side. Your jewelry was just on, oh my God, it was just on the new sex in the city, like revamp and tell me about your jewelry line and we'll get into your story. Oh gosh. It's been um, on all these different shows, right?
1: Yeah. In the okay. last year, we've gotten on a couple of different shows. I don't, I don't even know how it happened. <laughs> um, so I, I I run or I own uh, a handmade healing jewelry business. So I make jewelry using um, ethically sourced crystals and gemstones that are so, said to have like these healing properties. Mm-hmm. That's my little, my little side gig. <laughs> I love it. So
0: how did you come up with that? And have you always like designed jewelry or how did you know how to do it?
1: No. So it actually infertility is what got me started with my jewelry business. I was in my story is super long, but um, when I was going through fertility treatment, I wasn't getting pregnant, nothing was working. And I also a yoga teacher. So I knew a little bit about like holistic healing and crystals. So I did some research and I found that crystals have these healing properties and I I bought um, the two most popular ones for infertility, which are rose quartz and moonstone. And I made myself a bracelet. And then during that round of IVF where I wore my bracelet, I got pregnant and not at all whatsoever saying that my bracelet is what got me pregnant, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I will say having like some positive energy and something else to believe in helps. And so I, I was just making jewelry for myself or my friends that were going through fertility treatment. And I just realized I, I loved it. And I just kept learning and teaching yeah. myself things. And that's sort of how it started. It's super cool. So for anybody listening, it's true underscore warrior underscore
0: jewelry on Instagram. Definitely go check it out. So tell me about, so you said it was rose quartz and what was the other one that are the infertility? Yeah. Moonstone. What is it? Moonstone?
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So
0: rose quartz and moonstone. What is it about those? I know nothing about crystals. So what is it about those two things that are supposed to be good for infertility?
1: Well, moonstone is like the crystal of all feminine energy. And it's supposed to just have all of these healing properties for like the female reproductive system and just incorporate energy from like the moon, which has this large feminine energy. And rose quartz is the stone of unconditional love. So the idea is that the two of them combined, you're like showing yourself and showing the universe that you have this unconditional love for this baby that you want. And that's, yeah, I know it sounds a little kooky, but (laughs) no,
0: I love stuff like that. That's super cool. Very cool. So, all right, let's go back to your story. So tell me what happened when you started to try to have babies.
1: So a few years ago, it was right after I got married, I was having horrific pain every month when I had my period. And this came out of nowhere. I never really struggled with that. And then like it just hit me and I was having this pain and like it was so bad I couldn't get off my bathroom floor uh, you know, I would have to call out of work for days at a time. It was just rough, so mm-hmm. I kept going to my my gynecologist, and he kept telling me that there was nothing wrong. It was part of being a woman, and this went on for a year. Okay, and did and you think that, it was endo? I never heard of endo. I never, okay. I never heard of that at the time. Okay, he kind of said it in passing. He's like, "Oh, you probably have something called endometriosis. You know, everybody has that. It's not a big deal." And he put me on birth control, and he was like, "You know, birth control will stop your pain," but it didn't, number one, it didn't stop my pain. And number two, I had just got married. So we were trying to have a baby. So I, I didn't take the birth control. And this literally happened every month for an entire year. And wow. then finally, yeah. And I don't go to that doctor anymore. Mm-hmm. Um so then one day I wound up in the emergency room because the pain was just so bad and my stomach had swelled and I looked like I was pregnant, but oh my I, God. I didn't take a test I wasn't. And the doctor in the emergency room, after doing an MRI, they said my fallopian tubes were the size of baseballs and it, it was just a hot mess in there. And that I need to see a fertility doctor.
0: Whoa. So did you ever think about getting a second opinion when that one doctor kind of blew you off or just like was like birth control will fix it or mask it?
1: So I actually had an appointment with a fertility doctor scheduled because I was like, there's something more going on. I'm I'm not getting pregnant and I have this pain. So I, I was already in the process of getting a second opinion. I just didn't have the doctor. I just didn't see the doctor yet. The second doctor,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I wound up getting three, three opinions, three different opinions. Okay. So luckily I had this upcoming appointment with the fertility doctor. I called him and told him I was in the hospital. He took me the next day. And he's the one that was like, yeah, the doctor you're seeing is an asshole, excuse my language, <laughs> um, like infertility. And he was like, endometriosis is not, you know, something little that everybody has. It's serious. And from the look of the MRI, we had to have su- perform surgery right away.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And yeah, I mean, it was, everything happened like within three days, it was a whirlwind. Yeah. And I- And I was still in so much pain and I looked pregnant because I was so swollen and bloated. Yeah. I had surgery with him a few days later and it wound up that I had stage four endometriosis, which as you know, is the worst you can have. And Mm -hmm. basically my insides were black, covered in scar tissue. Mm -hmm. All my organs were attached to themselves. And he unfortunately tried to save what he could, but he wound up having to take out both of my fallopian tubes. And so that's where my infertility journey began because I can no longer have children naturally. Mm -hmm.
0: So did you know that that was happening or did you wake up from surgery and they told you that's what they had done?
1: So he told me that one of my tubes looked really rough from the uh, MRI and that there was a possibility he would have to remove one, but he would try his best to save them.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So I didn't think for even a second that I would wake up and hear this news that I can no longer conceive naturally. It was, I... Like I said, I didn't even know what endometriosis really was. Mm-hmm. Well, I was learning everything as we were going along, and then I, I get this news, and and I was I was devastated. Of I was course. so devastated.
0: Yeah. So what did yeah What did it feel like when you woke up and came out of that operation?
1: Oh gosh, I just remember cry, like hysterically crying to my husband, like mm-hmm. saying like that How is that fair? This isn't fair." And once the doctor showed me the pictures of what everything looked like, and he showed me what uh, healthy is compared to what mine was, I realized that he made the decision to help me. You know, he wasn't doing it to hurt me; it, mm-hmm. it needed to be done. So, I mean, but it, it took a while to come to terms with it.
0: Right. And okay. So then, what did they tell you in terms of next steps regarding having children?
1: So. And like, this was all, like I said, so new to me and I I've heard of IVF, but I never really knew what it was. Mm -hmm. So he told me that I had this other option. Well, not, I had my only option of getting pregnant other than like surrogacy or adoption was IVF and, you know, (laughs) I was so confused because, you know, you go on Google right away when you hear whatever you hear and you just read a thousand things and you have no idea what anything means. Right. So it was a lot to take in, but I was just happy that I had the option of, of conceiving and being Mm -hmm. able to carry my own baby. Like just having that option was all I needed to hear really.
0: Mm -hmm. And what were the, what were the steps that you had to go through? Like what kind of treatment plan did they give you?
1: So I had multiple surgeries, um, just to kind of clear out all the endometriosis first. Mm -hmm. And then there was the dozens upon dozens of needles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then with the injections that I was giving myself, I was also supposed to take this pill. And now I, I cannot remember for the life of me, the name of the pill, but, um, the first time I ever took the pill, the injections were, I mean, they they weren't fun by any means. Like I was bruised from top to bottom everywhere. I gave myself the injections because my husband was too, you know, like queasy and mm-hmm. to do it. And I felt better doing it myself, but the injections weren't like horrible, but the the pill, whatever it was, um, the first time I took it, I went out that night to, uh, I want to say like a, an anniversary party, something like a fancy party. And driving home, I started seeing fireworks like out of the corners of my eyes. Okay. And, like, I knew something was wrong. And I immediately like emailed the doctor and he said, oh, that's a side effect from this pill. So I had to stop taking that right away. IVF was my only option. I gotcha. didn't have any other option. Right. yes. We did all the fun stuff. My husband had his, you know, sperm tested and we started the process of, you know, getting my eggs all cooked and ready to be taken out. So yeah, so IVF was our only option because I had no, no tubes left. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you're going through like the stim cycles and then what happened when you finally made it to retrieval?
1: So we were getting close to retrieval and my eggs weren't growing. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't responding to the stims the way I was supposed to. Right. Okay. Um, they kind of kept saying, you know, you know, give it another day, give it another day. And then I think I was supposed to be on stims for like 12 days. And I wound up being on them for almost three weeks because Mm -hmm. I just couldn't, my eggs just wouldn't grow. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Like the follicles probably weren't
1: growing. It's been a while since I did IVF. So I know it's in all all the terms. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because like you think it's something you'll never forget, but then I feel like, like after it was over, I just pushed everything to the back of my mind. And no, I no,
0: I totally understand that a lot of it. I pushed out of my mind too. Yeah.
1: That's funny. I haven't heard the word follicles in forever, but now it's all coming back to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my follicles weren't growing, but so they kind of doubled all of my medications. I was stimming for like three weeks, which is way out of the ordinary. And, um, but I was very, very lucky. And when I finally had my egg retrieval, we had 19, 19 eggs that were retrieved. And out of those 19, uh, I believe 14 made them to like the final blast. Mm-hmm. And then we wound up doing, um, the genetic testing. So in total after genetic testing, we had nine, nine healthy embryos. Wow. That's a lot. Okay. Yeah. Very, very, very lucky. Yes. Yeah. The doctor was even shocked because, you know, it was taking right. so long to grow them. Right. But they were nice and healthy. Thank goodness.
0: How were you doing like emotionally through all this? I always love to talk about, you know, the emotional side of it and the relationship and what this does to a partnership or a marriage or whatever you're in, you know, and seeing friends around you getting pregnant potentially. And like, what was going on with you in that, in that regard?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm an emotional person to begin with, like Mm -hmm. that's who I am. And I take things, you know, to heart, even things that have nothing to do with me. So at the time it just so happened, like everybody in their mother was getting pregnant naturally. Mm-hmm. And of course you're happy for people because, you know, like you never want somebody to have to suffer the way that you're suffering, but it was just kind of like a, an extra blow to the gut because people, you know, cause I kind of kept what was going on private, except for like, um, you know, a group, you know, my family, my close friends, and then a couple of girls that I worked with, cause we were all going through it at the same time with the same fertility doctor. Oh, so Wow. Yeah. It was, it, it worked out well in that aspect. Cause we, we had this little group and we bonded over it and we had each other to talk to, mm-hmm. but like other people didn't know. So I would have people talk to me and be like, you know, yeah, this was an accident. We didn't, we weren't even trying. And I was like, oh, cool. I've been trying for months. And you know, you just walk in like, Hey, you know,
0: I know that can be so triggering when you hear that from people. Yeah.
1: Um, it, that was really, really a hard time. <laughs> even like family members were getting pregnant and and Just kind of saying things that like, I guess if you weren't going through what we went through, you wouldn't, wouldn't bother you. But when you're going through it, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, the way people say things you take, like I said, I took everything to heart. So, um, oddly enough, it actually bonded me and my husband. We are very opposite people. Like I said, I'm super, super emotional and he's very grounded. And like, just, you know, it's kind of like, no, don't be anxious. Everything will work out. So in certain situations that annoys the crap out of me, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. in this situation, it was actually really nice because he was just kind of like that rock that was there for me when I was like going through all of this, because not only does it take an emotional toll on you, but like physically, you know, you're feeling it from head to toe also.
0: right.
1: So it, it did really bring us closer together. We actually documented every single time I gave myself an injection. So we also had like Cause he does, he makes like videos and stuff like that. So it, mm-hmm. it was like a little project. So that's what kept him busy when I was doing all of this. Oh,
0: wow. So where did that all end up? Did you put it somewhere?
1: Did um, publish I it? we thought we did, but we can't find it. We've been trying <laughs> to find it for the last year. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> okay. He doesn't remember where he put it, but.
0: <laughs> Understandable. Okay. Okay. So you guys, all right. So you did the first, the round. So you had nine embryos and then what happened next? Did you do a transfer or what?
1: Yes. So we did our first transfer. Okay. And it didn't take. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it works out. Everything works out. for You know, everything has a reason. Like if Mm -hmm. that embryo would have taken, then I wouldn't have my son who's here with me now. And Mm -hmm. you know what I mean?
0: I do know what you mean. Yep.
1: I will never forget went, cause I swore I was pregnant. I was like, there's no way I'm not pregnant. Like I wouldn't test at home, but like, I just felt different. And I tried, I, I wanted to test so badly. It mm-hmm. was making me insane to the point where my husband was like, you need to get out of the house. And he booked us like a, an overnight trip in Atlantic city. And he like made me go to Atlantic city just to like, stop thinking about it. <laughs> Good man. I like that. Yeah. He was like, you need to, you need to get out of the house. And I remember in the car on the way to Atlantic city, I was like, you know, Oh, I just felt a twinge. I, I bet you, this is when the, like, this is when it implanted. Like, I know it, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Right. But Um, you weren't doing testing or anything. I wasn't doing testing, but I also, I wasn't pregnant. (laughs) So I, I I will never forget when I got that call, my husband was working. He was working late that night and I was home when they called me and, um, I couldn't talk to my husband. I forgot why I feel like he was like in, um, in a parent teacher conference or something, but I couldn't call him. So I called my sister in law and she's like the first person I thought of and I just called her crying and I was mm-hmm. like, it's negative. And she's like, Do you want me to come over? I was like, no, I'm fine. I just want to be alone. But then she wound up like coming and knocking on my door anyway. Oh. Which was yeah, necessary. But I right. never forget that day. That was pretty devastating.
0: Yeah, that is a devastating phone call to get. Yeah. I'm so sorry that you went through oh, that. Um, don't
1: please. So please. then what happened? So then we started the whole process over again. I mean, I was very, very lucky because I still had eight embryos left frozen. So I didn't have to go through the whole stimming again, which was nice. And that's kind of when I, you know, I did my crystal research. And for that round, I wore like my crystal bracelet and I did acupuncture and I ate mm-hmm. you know, everything I tell you to eat and did everything I tell you to do. And um, we asked if we can transfer two embryos this time. And my doctor was super against it. But wound up saying yes to us and Mm -hmm. doing. And so and that's the round that I I got pregnant, which was amazing.
0: Okay. So tell me, just backtracking in terms of your protocol with that one, did it was it different at all? Did they give you any other meds or any like progesterone or any other?
1: Yeah, they they changed my progesterone. They they gave me higher dosages of progesterone than I had the first time. Mm -hmm. And that progesterone I I did vaginally instead of by mouth. Mm-hmm. Actually that the second round, all of my medication was taking badge was taken vaginally, even the pills, they were all vaginal. So that was like the only difference in protocol. Everything changed to, to vaginal because they said it absorbs quicker. And sometimes it just hot you know, makes the levels in your bloodstream higher. So I said, I'll do I'll stick anything you need me to stick up there as long as you can. <laughs> not Right. No, so I did it. I mean, we called it my Smurf months because right. one of those were blue. So, oh my month- god,
0: that like blue discharge—it's uh-huh. so weird.
1: Yeah, I had that too. That I know hysterical. exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so that was like the only real change, but it, it worked. So okay, so tell me about that. So you
0: went through your two-week wait again, transferred two embryos, and then did you? You didn't test. You waited for the the blood Most test of, at the doctor.
1: That time I did test. I tested okay. a lot because I was like, I was like fuck this. Excuse my language again. Sorry. But I was like, I'm not going to wait in 10 days. Like if I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. If I'm not, I'm not, I need to know. I can't sit here and wait. So I tested like every other day and they kept coming up negative, my home tests. Mm -hmm. So when I went for my blood work, I told the lady, I was like, well, my tests are coming back negative. So, I mean, I already know it's going to be negative. And I I waited for the negative. I, I swore it would be negative. And then my beta came back positive. It was very low, but it came back positive. And I was shocked. We didn't know at the time we found out, you know, at the sonogram, but it wound up just being one baby took.
0: Okay. Okay. And how did that feel to go to that appointment?
1: Oh my God. That was when I got that phone call <laughs> I was standing upstairs in like my studio and we, we were like standing, when we got the call and I, we, we were screaming. I was like literally jumping up and down and my husband's like, stop jumping. You have a baby inside of you now. Stop. <laughs> Boy, you got to calm down. So, Yeah, that was, that was cool. And then I ran and took like another, like, like test, like a, a P test or whatever. Uh-huh. And it still kept coming up negative. Oh, wow. And- You know, and we were a little scared because the the nurse had said that my beta was very low. It was like super, it was like 26 or something. It was very, very low. Mm -hmm. So then there was the fun, you know, couple of weeks where you were going every two days to make sure your beta doubled. And that Mm -hmm. was, you know, the scariest time ever. Right. So
0: was it slowly rising?
1: Yeah, it took a while. Um, It wasn't rising the way it was supposed to in the beginning, Mm -hmm. So they were kind of told to prepare for the Uh worst, but then, I don't know, this baby, he just held on.
0: Okay. So tell me about the rest of the pregnancy. You know, we talk on here a lot about pregnancy after loss or pregnancy after infertility and how the anxiety, you know, sticks around and it's, it's really, it's different than if you hadn't experienced loss or infertility. So tell me about your experience.
1: So, yes, I mean, I was anxious throughout my entire pregnancy and it wound up being for good reasons because, well, you know, I'll get to all that fun stuff. But um, in the beginning, I had a pretty good pregnancy. I had no morning sickness, like a little nausea, nothing crazy. But because I didn't feel anything, I was so scared mm-hmm. because I was like, well, I'm. why am I not throwing up? <laughs> why do my boobs not hurt? Why mm-hmm. is nothing happening? So anytime I didn't feel something, I would freak out. And then w- when I finally, like I ha- I was nauseous for like a week, I want to say, but that week that I was nauseous, I was so happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Cause it feels like <laughs> something, right? Yeah, exactly. You're exactly. Like, Something's happening. Yeah. Right. Like I had no pregnancy symptoms for my first pregnancy other than that one week of nausea. So like, that was scary. And then the sonograms, you know, waiting for the sonograms, and and waiting to hear that heartbeat, you know, the, mm-hmm. the anticipation, the anxiety was just crazy. And absolutely. Um, but I changed my doctor, thank God, from the one that told me there was nothing wrong with me. Uh-huh. So I had a great doctor, but towards like the middle of my pregnancy, I started bleeding mm. from time to time. And then I started contracting. So I was in the hospital like two or three times before I went into labor with preterm. Con, you know contractions? And oh then wow! I, yeah, so that was, but they just kept telling me it was like dehydration and just to rest and uh-huh. you know. But then my son wound up um, coming ten weeks early, almost three months early. Uh, oh. My water broke at yeah at thirty weeks. So okay. were and, you home when that happened, or what was going on? So my husband and I both work for the the school system, uh-huh. and the mayor had just announced it was like. One o'clock in the morning, and the, it, during a horrible snowstorm, and the mayor just announced that it was a snow day. So, my husband's like, You know, we only have a few months before this baby comes. Let's stay up super late and watch a movie. We have no work tomorrow. I was like, Yeah, let's do it. But I just uh-huh. have to. Pee. So, I get up, go pee, come back into bed, and I feel like this gush of wetness. And I was like, Oh crap, I think I just peed myself. That's so weird because I just peed so much. hmm. I got up and ran to the bathroom and it wound up that my water broke.
0: Oh my God. Were you scared?
1: Oh my God. It was the scariest moment of my life. It was, when I say a horrible snowstorm, it was like the worst snowstorm we had had in years. Uh Three o'clock in the morning. So nothing was paved. There was like no going anywhere. Oh my God. It was so scary. So Mm -hmm. we called, you know, my doctor obviously. And she was like, you have to get here right now. And my husband was like, okay, I'm going to get the car. I was like, no, you're not allowed to drive. I called my father-in-law who was the only person that I trusted to get us there safely. Cause he was a, a beast. He, you know, he would do anything to make sure that everybody was safe. Uh-huh. So I called him. He's the first person I called and I told him and he was at my house within like 10 seconds. Oh, wow. To- His cowboy hat on. I'm hysterical crying because now my belly is gone. I have no belly anymore because I lost all my water. Oh my gosh. Uh, So I'm screaming in the back. I can't feel him moving and
0: scary. Something's
1: wrong. And my my father-in-law's like, let's go have a baby. We're gonna have a grandbaby today. Let's do it. You know, so optimistic. So Uh and um we finally got to the hospital. All the doors were closed because I don't know if you knew this, but they closed, they lock all hospital doors. At that time, like from like midnight to like 7 a.m. So all the doors oh were locked at the hospital. So you're we were like banging on the door. Let me in. Banging, banging. My husband mm-hmm. always broke the glass. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. But eventually I got in. They, they tried everything that they could to keep him in. I had magnesium, which was, I don't know if you've ever had to have magnesium. Mm, I haven't. Oh my God. It's the most horrible sensation. You're like burning from head to toe. And mm-hmm. I had all these steroids to make everything grow quicker. And, you know, I was in the hospital for like four days and then finally he decided to come. So it was like the middle of the afternoon and they were just monitoring him and I had no idea he was coming. I was getting really bad contractions, like really, really, really bad contractions. But the doctor was still trying to like hold off and um, they gave me an epidural. And I still, for some reason in my head, just thought that I would just keep holding on. And he wasn't coming, even though uh-huh. I was in the middle of labor, just my brain was like not comprehending it. And then finally I had the epidural. I was feeling better. I lay down and a, a team of surgeons comes rushing in and they're like, we lost his heartbeat. and They rushed me into a C-section. Everything just happened so fast. And, um, oh my gosh yeah and so he he came. I wasn't allowed to even I had met with the NICU already because they kind of come in to prep you just in case. so I knew that the NICU team mm-hmm. I was high as a kite when I met the NICU team. uh-huh. they gave <laughs> me like all this I don't even know what they gave me mm-hmm. because, but I was like so out of it like in that account, oh they gave me something to sleep. that's what it was i had I didn't sleep. it was like three days and I hadn't slept. oh wow. so they found, like you need to sleep, so they gave me something to sleep. and of course, that's when the NICU came in, uh-huh. So, you know, he came out, I had an emergency C-section and when you have a, a preemie, you don't get to see the baby. They yeah. wrap them up and take them right away. So I didn't right. even get to see him. And I, I made my husband, my husband wanted to stay with me, but I was like, no, you follow that baby. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. So then uh, I was in recovery from the C-section and uh, I had a fever, so I wasn't even allowed in the NICU until the fever broke. Oh gosh. Well, I didn't even see him until like three o'clock in the morning that next day. Okay. So he was 30, about 30 weeks along. Yeah. He was 30 weeks. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Two and a half months early.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, the NICUs are just incredible. I mean, I've heard so many incredible stories about, you know, the doctors and nurses that are there. So what, how was your NICU experience? I know it's, it's so harrowing, right?
1: It was, it was rough, but you know what? I, the NICU that we were in was just amazing in every way. So we had a, a, you know, a good experience as far as that. I was really lucky because my milk came in that night Mm -hmm. and the nurses and the doctors were, were shocked that I was producing so much milk. So everybody was like, really like, you know, pushing the breast milk and pumping and pumping. And then so I would just be in the NICU with him, like just over his little incubator for like 15 hours a day. And every two hours I would go in their family room, pump, come back out and just stand over him. And that was for a little over six weeks we were there.
0: Oh, wow. So, so he would
1: get to to have the breast milk? Yeah. he had Was it through
0: feeding, like a tube?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. he had a feeding tube, but they would put it in his feeding tube. So I just felt so, like I felt like my body had failed me. And then the fact that I was able to give him milk just kind of made me feel like okay, something's working and I can help in some way. Yes. You know, some yeah, absolutely. Um, so I w- I became obsessed with pumping uh-huh because I had nothing else to do because yeah, well, it's like something know, that you can that's working that
0: you have control over, right? So it feels good yeah. to do that,
1: yeah. So yeah, it was just hard. I was I was just in the NICU all day. Like I said, it was like 15, 16 hour days. My husband would go to work. Then he'd meet me there after work. He'd stay for a little bit. And then they would kick us out because the overnight shift, you're not allowed to, to be there for. Okay. So I would go home when, during, you know, overnights and I would call the nurse that had him at like one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning to uh-huh. check in. I think they hated me after a while, the overnight people, cause they, no. just, they were like, it's just keep calling. We need quiet. Of course. Yeah. So that one, he was there for about uh, almost six weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we finally brought him home and then he wound up back in the, in the uh, pediatric intensive care unit for a week for what he was having some temperature regulation issues. So after he came home, his temperature kept dropping. We couldn't get it to stabilize. So he had to go back in, but then when that was all over, he came home and, He's amazing. Now he he'll be five on Friday. Oh my gosh! Wow, first little IVFer. Okay, is there more? Yes, I have a second child. Yeah. Okay, can you tell me about that story too? Oh my god! So I it's we like the joke in my house is that I don't have good I have good children but I don't have good pregnancies. It's like the running joke, and all you can do is laugh. But uh, we decided we were going to give him a sibling in. 20, no, I guess 2019. Right. Uh-huh. I'm really bad at numbers. So we went back to my fertility doctor who I love. I had a, a, another surgery. I had a couple of surgeries in between the two pregnancies for the endo. Cause it was growing back and I was in pain.
0: Right. Okay.
1: So we went back to him and told him we wanted to start trying and he recommended another surgery just to kind of clean everything out and get ready to go. Mm-hmm. And that was a very easy round of IVF. The protocol for the actual conceiving portion was the same as when I conceived my son. We did all of my medication vaginally. Everything was worked out fine. Um, I still had six embryos left. We were, like I said, we were very lucky. Right. So you didn't have to do another retrieval? No, we didn't. Okay. We, we still just, had right. frozen. Yeah. We still had six frozen. So, we, you know, they asked us if we had a sex we wanted. We said, and we just want a baby. We, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't care about anything as long as it was healthy. And I got pregnant that first round with her right away. Wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was amazing because, and, and I did at home pregnancy tests. They were coming up positive. Like, so I was just, it was, it was a great experience that round of IVF. It was rough because, You know, I had a baby at home, and you know, being on Mm -hmm. those hormones is just not easy for the body, and it's an emotional experience. But you know, it worked out. I got pregnant, and I had um a different protocol my pregnancy. I had to be on progesterone for my pregnancy because I had given birth to a premature baby before that. Mm -hmm. So I was, I had a nurse that came to my house weekly to give me progesterone shots. So that was a little rough. Yeah, they were painful, and you know, and um. I had placenta previa with her in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I had really bad bleeds. I had uh, that as well. I didn't bleed yeah. though, but I had that. Yep. So you know how fun it is when they're sitting there telling you, you know, you you might not feel anything and there might be all these complications. Like it's it's scary. It's so scary.
0: Yeah. My, my doctor totally downplayed mine. And I've told this story before, but they were just like, oh, it's fine. It just means you're going to have to have a C-section. And I was kind of like, okay. But then I, I remember asking one day, I was like, wait, what would happen like if I had placenta previa when there wasn't such thing as C-section and my doctor's like, oh, both mother and baby would die. And I was like, oh shit. This yeah. is like way more serious than you're making it out to be
1: yeah, they were like internal bleeding or you could bleed out. Or yeah. 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 No, they never to told me any of that. Thank God. God. Oh my God. No, I had a, a doctor who is like scaring the crap out of me and he mm-hmm. was like, this is bad. This is bad. You got to, You know? And I was seeing the high risk specialist every other, like, I want to say every other week. And then eventually every week and then every other day, because like I already had, it was already deemed a high-risk pregnancy because my first son came so early. And then this one, I had the placenta previa. So that was fun. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. When I had the bleed, I was at work and it was bad. Like I had blood through everything Mm. and I swore I was miscarrying and it was, it was so scary. Mm -hmm. And when I got to the hospital, like, you know, nobody would, would like give me the sonogram. I don't know why, like everybody was just rushing to do other things. I was like, somebody, please just tell me if she's okay. Cause I I knew I found out it was a girl. The day that I got the positive beta, I was like, just tell me what kind of embryo did you put in? I just need to know.
0: Yes. Did they end up, did they tell you how they chose? Was it just like the healthiest looking embryo?
1: Yeah. They just, they chose at random based on.
0: Yeah. Okay. Gotcha.
1: And I was secretly happy because I had a boy. No. Yes.
0: I understand that. Okay. So another rough pregnancy and then how was the delivery and everything?
1: So at first my doctor told me that we can, because my placenta previa eventually, I don't know what, what is it? Subsided or corrected.
0: Yeah. It can correct itself. Yeah. yeah.
1: It corrected in my third trimester. So my doctor was sort of like, well, maybe we could do a V-back and I was all for it. Because I kind of always wanted to experience, Mm -hmm. you know, the pushing. And actually, my daughter's due date was my son's birthday, so that was kind of cool. Oh wow! But eventually, my doctor decided against it. She said it was too high risk. So we Uh had this C section scheduled. I got to pick the date, which was cool. So I made sure that it was like far enough away from my son's birthday so that he can still enjoy his day. Mm -hmm. And everything was fine. The C section went well. She came. I got to kiss her when I was still on the operating table, uh-huh. uh, which was new to me because I, you know, with my son, I didn't get any of that. And it was a great first couple of hours. And they had, they had started this new thing where um, they were giving the mothers these nerve blockers so that they didn't feel pain. And I literally was in no pain mm-hmm. after my C-section, no pain. The nerve blockers were amazing. So I was like, this is the best. I was breastfeeding. Everything was going good. And then out of nowhere, I bled out and it didn't stop, didn't stop. And then if you ask my husband, he'll tell you I died. Oh my God. Yeah. He swears that I died and that I was coded and they had to revive me. I don't remember because I was, I, you know, was he in the room? Yeah, he was in the room. Okay. It was like one o'clock in the morning and I was holding her and I think I was nursing her and I was like, you have to take her something as I feel right. And I thought it was just, and you know, sometimes like when you breastfeed, you can get like that dizzy feeling if you don't eat enough. So I thought it was just that because I had blood out like before, but it stopped. But then I, and then I felt it coming out. So I was like, you have to go get the nurses. Like something's wrong. Like I'm like, I feel it all coming out. Mm -hmm. And then the nurses came running in. They were like, what's wrong? And I remember just saying, I don't know. I just see a light. I see a light. Oh my God. I'll never forget. The nurse is like, don't go to the light. Don't go to the light. And then I saw this like bright flash of light. And then, then the next thing I remember, I woke up to like all these doctors and nurses over me and the nurse was holding my hand and like rubbing my head. And that's when I found out, like I had, I don't know, I don't think I died, but my husband. Holy shit. Yeah. So that was fun. Whoa. Yeah, that was an experience, um, and uh, it just didn't stop from there. It just kind of progressed, and I had multiple blood transfusions, but it, nothing was working. At one point, they shoved—I'm not exaggerating—forty-two pills up my butt. Forty-two oh. Oh, pills. What out of my butt home. What was doctor. it? I, it was something to get the to to get the blood to stop, like to get you to stop bleeding. I don't know. And they they gave it to me in my lugs. It wasn't working. I took it you know, and my, you know, drank, ate it, it wasn't working. So the the doctor was like, I have no choice. I'm sorry. And she shoved all of these pills up my butthole. Oh my God. (laughs) Horrible. And, um, it didn't work. I just kept bleeding out and I was rushed into emergency, uh, surgery and wound up having, um, a hysterectomy.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: So yeah. Um, that was, yeah, everything was just, everything just kind of happened really, fast within 24 hours. But to me, it felt like it was all within like 10 minutes. It was right. just a lot. And I just remember saying, cause I, Pete, like you, you hear things like, I don't know why, but I was like hyper, like my senses were like hyper fixated. And I was hearing people talking and I, I heard like death and dying. And is she going to make it like you hear, I was hearing things. And I I just remember saying to the nurse, like it was the, I don't know if you watched the bachelor, yeah. but like, the season finale. Like I gave birth on Monday, and then all this was happening on Tuesday. So the season finale of The Bachelor was on Monday, but I didn't get to watch it.
0: <laughs> <But> <laughs> Which season different. is this? Who's? I
1: don't even. I don't even remember. I okay. don't even remember. That's the funny part. Like, but like I, I was like throwing up. I was bleeding out. I was in and out of consciousness. and I just said to the nurse, "I was like, if I'm gonna die, just tell me who who they picked in The Bachelor. You just got told me." <laughs> And the nurse is like, do you really want to know? And I was like, yeah. And then she told me, he was like, I want to say Holly or something. I don't know. I never ended up actually watching it. Oh Um, my God. Amazing. That was like crazy. And then the anesthesiologist came in and he was like, they were trying to figure out like how I was going to go into surgery, if they were going to put me under or not. And the anesthesiologist was like, I'm going to give her another spinal tap and we'll do, you know, like a C-section. She'll be awake. And I was like, no, I was screaming at him. Cause I didn't care. I thought I was going to die. I literally thought I was going to die. So I was, I was like, you're putting me to sleep. I need to sleep. I can't be awake for this. I'm going to die. I was saying all this. And then my OBGYN, who's the best doctor in the whole freaking world. Dr. Alicia Givanozzo, the best doctor ever. She was like, you hurt the fucking woman. You're putting her the fuck to sleep. Just like that. And I, whoa, drink. wait, where she does she work? Stuff. What clinic? She's in Staten Island. She has okay. her own, she's her own clinic. Amazing. She's the best doctor ever. Oh my and, God. I have to talk to her. What I didn't tell you is she gave birth to my son. She delivered my son and she was nine months pregnant. Oh, wow. When all of this was happening. So she came in during a snowstorm, nine months pregnant. She's just the best doctor ever. So.
0: Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So you have been through so much. And then was that, I mean, not like, was that it, but is that like basically the end of your kind of yeah. fertility journey and then, okay. So tell me, how is everybody doing today?
1: So I am so blessed. I have the best kids. My my son, Gasper, he will be five on Friday. Um, you would never know he was a preemie. He mm-hmm. just like the smartest, funniest kid ever. And then Lucy, my daughter, and oh. mind you all, of, she was born the day before New York City went into lockdown. Okay. <laughs> So after she was born, we were in the house, you know, for God knows how long, right? whatever. But um, she just turned two last week and she's like the sassiest little doll ever. She's just like the cutest. Oh my God. So cute.
0: All right. So before we wrap up, what are some things, you know, now that you wish you knew then?
1: First of all, my biggest piece of advice is to find somebody that has gone through this, whether it's finding somebody, you know, on a Facebook group, um, you know, meeting somebody in the clinic when you're sitting there waiting for blood tests, it is so much easier to go through this. When you have somebody that understands what you're going through,
0: mm-hmm. because
1: you could talk to this about everybody in your life, all of your friends and all your family, but nobody can understand what somebody is going through with infertility, unless you have been through it yourself. Agreed. Yes. You, know? you cannot. I mean, you cannot compare trying for two months naturally to having to see doctors and go through it. You just can't. So number one, find somebody, whether it's a stranger on the street, whatever that person you need, you need that outlet. Exactly. Find your people and just, you know, don't give up hope. I mean, it might take years. You know, when I talk about my, my story, it's, i say it and it sounds like everything just happened within months but it was this was like years Mm -hmm. you know what i mean just you know you just be patient that's all you can do
0: guys thank you so much for listening and thank you again to melissa for telling her story definitely check out her jewelry at truewarriorjewelry.com she's got some really cool jewelry that's meant to heal the body mind and soul and to help with infertility it's really pretty. So check it out there. And I also want to tell you guys that Fertility Rally is open the first week of every month. So we are welcoming new members to our family. Check us out on fertilityrally.com and on Instagram at Fertility Rally. We've got three support groups a week, which are incredible. We've got tons of events and we've got private Facebook groups and just a sisterhood like no other. So check us out at fertilityrally.com and we hope to see you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.